The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up, The Shortlist, an opportunity for me to stretch my creative muscles and play with some original ideas instead of the reboots and remakes that you know and love from the main show. Before we get started with this new creative idea, I just wanted to kind of touch base on the reason for the shortlist. A, it kind of helps as far as my scheduling goes, but B, it's also supposed to be a celebration of creativity. And in previous episodes, I didn't focus so much on how I came up with the ideas. And I'm going to try to focus on that a little bit more in future episodes because it's not so much about showing off fun ideas that I've come up with, though I do appreciate those that have reached out and said they enjoyed the ideas for shows and movies that I've come up with on the shortlist. It is more a chance for me to celebrate creativity. It's so hard sometimes when you get stuck to get the inspiration to come up with a new idea for a podcast or a show or a writing project. And this show, if anything else, is supposed to be a celebration that some of the weirdest and most wonderful ideas come from the strangest places of inspiration. So with that in mind, we are going to talk about the newest idea that I had uh, that was actually inspired by the conclusion of the newest uh, Marvel series on Disney Plus, WandaVision. There's no spoilers or anything, don't worry. But those that have seen the trailers know that they play with the format of sitcoms in uh, in WandaVision. And that's really where the, uh, the uh, inspiration started for a movie idea that I've come up with by the name of Next Star Neighbor. One thing that I loved about WandaVision is that they dealt with the different decades of sitcoms and played with how the formats changed, how people spoke, laugh tracks, the removal of the laugh track. And I wanted to use that as a jumping point for my idea for this uh for this movie. And I centered in on the eighties because that is really, you know, where I came up watching sitcoms growing up and enjoying all the, the goofiness that came along with that. What many call kind of the beginning of the end of, of sitcoms, eighties and nineties were really the last time that the laugh track, that live studio audience format was really the king of television. And so when the first thing I thought was what if, you have an actor that sees a lot of the things being mirrored uh, in his life from the things that are happening on the episodes of a sitcom that he's uh, an actor in. And then so you have a little bit of a creepy telling the future kind of element coming from the sitcom itself that as things are working their way through on the sitcom, they're then being mirrored in his life uh, and happening, but in a much grittier, darker, more realistic kind of way. So there's something that gets buttoned up at the end of the episode that's cute and warm and fuzzy, but in life, 
it is this like terrible, horrible, messy thing like life tends to be. And it really using those two different mediums in a movie, just like WandaVision did. Um, in my version, it is more of a conversation about how perception is so much different than the reality of a situation and using television, the lens of television to tell that story a little bit better. So the inspiration does come from WandaVision, but then it expands into this totally different idea that's having a totally different conversation than WandaVision is. And then I started thinking about what sitcoms I wanted to mirror from the 80s uh, to tell this story, you know, do, or at least draw inspiration from as well. You know, did I want it to be Who's the Boss or uh, Roseanne or any of the other shows that I watched when Who's, who's the uh, Growing Pains or one of these classic sitcoms. And I actually settled in on the fun idea of instead of it being a weird mystical foretelling the future kind of situation, what if we put it a little bit more in the camp of sci-fi and play with ALF? ALF standing for alien life form, the fuzzy, lovable alien creature that uh, ended up hanging out and, and hiding uh, in a family home, was a well-loved sitcom of mine when I was growing up. I had ALF bedsheets. I had an ALF uh, like hand puppet and stuffed animals, and I was a big ALF fan. I've since, as an adult, watched ALF, and it is almost unwatchable as an adult and so far removed from my, from my years of loving it as a child. The jokes are weirdly not funny. Uh, the laugh tracks are manic in nature, and the plot lines are all over the place. So I thought that would be kind of a fun place to start, and it totally changed the trajectory of my idea for the, uh, for the film. So what I figure, if we are talking about aliens, we're talking about why, you know, why is this alien creature going to end up in the life of this main character, of this actor who plays the father on an ALF-type TV show? What is it that draws him to this family specifically? It, it, can't be, it can't be circumstance, because that is way too much coincidence, even in something so far-fetched as this, to have a dude that's playing a father dealing with an extraterrestrial on a show and then also dealing with an extraterrestrial just happens to in life. So the easiest conclusion is that the airwaves that are sending out this TV signal have been picked up by this alien race. And this alien is a scout being sent out to kind of explore uh, what possibilities there are for interaction with this species on this planet that they just ran into. And given the nature of his character on the show that he's on, they concluded that he might be the best first contact since he seems to be so warm and understanding of the extraterrestrial on the TV show. So that is the reason for the connection there. The alien creature ends up, you know, rolling into this dude's uh, house and there's a moment where there's confusion and this alien is, you know, totally different than the alien on the TV show. The alien on the TV show is this cuddly puppet type alien that's lovable and approachable and huggable. This is a slimy, tentacled, um, crazy colored, uh, terrifying, fanged alien creature. Something that would never be considered, you know, lovable. And it does communicate telepathically, which is something that's uh, both gives headaches to the main character uh, let's call him Dan. Say Dan for now. Just a nice, plain, normal, everyday name. Gives him headaches and and kind of squeezes his brain a little bit. But he is able to communicate with this creature. 
who has learned our language from television. And it's explained to Dan that this creature is there as a scout for this alien race. They're looking to reach some sort of uh, opportunity to engage our species on planet Earth. And he is there to kind of learn more about the human race and figure out if it's something that is even possible. Uh, And the options are, you know, working together, finding some kind of peace accord, uh, moving on and not even contacting us whatsoever or seeing us as a threat and destroying our entire planet. So there's a lot on Dan's shoulders all of a sudden, and it's a little bit different than Alf um, or the, you know, the version of Alf that we're seeing in this, uh, in this movie where it's just a alien that crash landed and is hiding out away from like the government uh, with this family. Dan's got some real personal uh, things on the line, like, you know, the existence of the human race. So Dan, you know, moves some things around in the garage and makes room for this alien creature to have a place to kind of hang out and do its thing. And as they, as they talk, it's found that this uh, alien is very familiar with his TV show that he's on. And that's what drew him to Dan. Uh, Dan, of course, would love to call the, uh, the government or the police or something on this alien just to get, you know, he, he's not the person that should be dealing with this. But of course, the, any of those things could be seen as a threat to this alien creature. And with the risk of the planet being at uh, in the balance, that's not something he's willing to risk. So he plays along. He tries to explain to this alien how like the kitchen works about eating food and the alien remembering that in the in the TV show, the alien creature ate the uh, living animals that roamed around the house, or at least tried to, that's exactly what the alien starts to think to do is that, you know, apparently humans just let their food stay alive, you know, probably to keep them from going, from spoiling and, and roam around the house. And then when they're, uh, when they're hungry, they just eat them. So he confuses uh, house pets as being our food source. And, proceeds to eat a number of the uh, of the house cats and dogs and pets in the neighborhood. He unfortunately also, because it's telepathic and he has to use his telepathy to communicate in a, in a language that Dan understands, he has taken on the voice of the alien creature in the, the TV show that Dan is an actor in. So this terrifying tentacled creature that's, slobbering, sliming around his house has this very goofy cartoony kind of voice uh, when he's talking to Dan telepathically, which is so hard in contrast to the way that this creature looks. So Dan realizes that he got, he's gleaning some of information about humans from at the very least his TV show. And then as episodes drop of his show, he's noticing you know, this, this alien is actually a fan of the television show, even though he doesn't quite understand the, the fiction of it. And he's noticing that some of the things that are happening around the house, the way that the alien is behaving is mimicking the newest episodes that are dropping from, from this season of, of his television show. And the big switch on Dan dealing with this alien is when he realizes that there is, in the season finale an episode in which the alien creature inhabits uh, his body. And because of some of the other turns with this alien of misunderstanding how the TV show works versus real life works, 
He's, uh, Dan, of course, is very concerned about how this actual alien is going to try to inhabit his body. So he has to work out a plan. He can't just let the alien kill him. Uh, that, that's just not going to work. So he has to figure out a way to stop the alien from killing him, but also not start off the uh, call for destruction of the, of the planet Earth. And so he gets with some of the, uh, the tech people on his show and somehow convinces them that he has an idea to record the, uh, a, like an alternate version of the, uh, of the show that he wants to play for a couple of his friends at his house uh, as, a, uh, as, a, as a joke. And the tech people, you know, he's, he says he's going to throw some money their way to help, uh, you know, for, for their help. And they're, you know what? Fine. Cool. Um, not a problem. And so he actually gets a couple of the actors to help out, but it's really like disjointed, really just singularly him for the most part. And this puppet actor who has a different voice because he couldn't get the puppeteer that does the voice and, and the puppet to get in on the thing. So it's just some the crew guy, like a key grip that is trying to do the puppet with a different voice. And it's just like playing off very weird. But you know, at this point, Dan is desperate. He's going to try to see if that, that will pull off. And he changes the conversation of inhabiting his body into the alien creature with no explanation, talking about imbuing the human race with all the technology and, and info of their species um, and living uh, in, in harmony with one another. Some kind of way of best case scenario, Dan is just going swinging for the fences. So he gets it all put together. He gets with an editor, gets that all done. This, this is taking like a week or so for him to put together haphazardly throws it on a VH, uh, VHS tape, which is relatively new technology at the time, but Dan, being a, a famous actor, has one at his house. And he secretly puts it in, in the player and prepares for the, the viewing of the TV show. And for the first time, well, this has been happening, uh, Dan suggests that they watch the TV show together which at first is confusing to the alien creature because he's not understanding that this has taken place earlier or the full nature of um, they've been not in the, in the same room or in the, in the house together when the episodes have come on before. So he's very confused that Dan is actually there with him while, the, while he's also on the screen uh, showing the events that he thought up to this point were happening live. So the show goes on. Uh, D- Dan's plan comes into motion. Uh, there's a there's a hard cut between the actual episode and when the fake part of the episode is added to the end uh, for the alien. The alien is sitting there intently and kind of looking at Dan with his giant sweating eyeball um, and looking at the TV and Dan and he's confused. And when the episode is over, Dan kind of hesitantly is like, what do you think of the show? And the alien is confused at first because he doesn't understand why they were watching something on this box um, that had Dan in it. And he had been watching the television show by naturally receiving the picture um, telepathically in his mind. So the, the TV they were watching had nothing to do with him enjoying the show, that he was actually able to like psychically receive the television signals in his brain. So he still watched the regular uh, production, the unedited unmessed with production where he inhabits uh, Dan's body and then comes in a ridiculously uh, goofy 
fight between the alien creature and Dan as Dan is trying to get away from the creature because the creature is trying to like rip his body open basically. And it fades out as, you know, Dan's cornered in a corner and it fades out and it fades back in of this big speech happening and this whole crowd listening intently as you hear the voice of the, the goofy cartoon voice of the alien creature going um, out over speakers uh, to masses of people as they're just like cheering and rooting and talking about like their species working together and living together in harmony and all these like great ideas and everybody's cheering and super excited. And then it cuts over and very much like Vincent D'Onofrio in men in black, you've got Dan there, but his skin is like sagging off his body. His eyes are sunken clearly Oh, just by look, knowing kind of what happened before this, you know that the alien is an ac- actually inhabiting his body at this point and has like stuffed himself inside a, a Dan suit. So at the end of the day, Dan did assist in the aliens, you know, looking at us as a species they wanted to engage in and not destroy or leave alone. But it did, in fact, cost him his life. Now, there's a lot of room for hijinks and weirdness to be thrown in there uh, as the movie goes along, but the basic gist is the idea of perception, that this alien creature, there's so much conversation about different uh, cultures over human history when they have met each other that totally misunderstand what one culture does and uh, either minimizes it or misinterprets it to mean something else or uses that uh, to a, to their advantage to take advantage of that culture. And I wanted to look at it through that lens, but additionally also um, just use that as a focal point of just how challenging it would be when alien species came to try to explain something that's so simple to us, like acting, like acting something out, telling a lie creatively uh, through the lens of of comedy or whatever excuse you want for that, for entertainment. Uh, we lie to each other, even though it's a known lie that everybody is aware that it, it isn't true. And it's, it, that's just make believe everybody allows themselves to in some way, believe it for even an, the smallest degree to be able to enjoy the story. And that may not be something that exists in other uh, like alien cultures and would be nearly impossible to really understand um, as, as that species. So, the moral of the story, I guess, at the end of the day is that you can't force your your ideas or try to take advantage of a person for not understanding your intentions or not understanding why you do things. Um, you have to try to reach a real truth, true understanding between one another and not uh, use that as some positioning chip to be above or below somebody. So... I will save the casting choices for you uh, out in the crowd. We need um, somebody as the voice of the alien. We need a Dan. We need a cast of characters from the TV show. We need Dan's uh, girlfriend and her son, uh, which I did not pull in very much at all. But they they come in and out, and it's the, the, the traditional horror comedy hijinks of the main character hiding this crazy weird, horrific thing from his loved ones. So tell me, who would you cast in these roles? Well, what are some other things you want to add to My Next Star Neighbor, uh, the name of this movie? And you can do that by hitting up geeksundertheinfluence at gmail.com and just put the shortlist in the subject line or reach out on all of our social media 
or hit our hotline number, the Geeks Under the Influence Network hotline number, which is 804-505-4484. That's 804-505-4GUI. All of that information and more, including links to our other shows in the network and ways to subscribe to this show as well are at GUIpodcast.com. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, do all the things you do with podcasts. The rating system really helps us out. So if you can jump on Apple, jump on Podchaser, jump anywhere else that you can write a review, add some stars to something, we appreciate it greatly. It really does help. We'll find you next time for a full-length, regular episode of Smack My Pitch Up. I'm Mike the Hobbit, and you just got pitch smacked. GUIpodcast.com My name is Amy Bogard. And I'm Mike the Hobbit. And we are the hosts of Deeply Upsetting, where we use our expertise to answer your most upsetting hypothetical quandaries, such as what non-wigged animal deserves wings? And what body part deserves a secret mouth? Which cryptid is the worst roommate? These questions and more that plague you will be answered on Deeply Upsetting, available anywhere you get your podcasts and at GUIpodcast.com. Coming straight from the mouths of madness, I'm Lowdown. I'm F.U. Hunter. Do you love horror? We fucking do. So this is a podcast dedicated to all things in cinematic horror. We're talking movies, television, composers, special effects artists. We're going to fucking cover it. So if you love horror, embrace the madness. Hey guys, Scotty Big Daddy Preston here. That's right, the Geek Father asking you to join me here every other week with friends and family of the GUI Network as we go through all the trials and tribulations of being a geeky parent. So remember, join us or cry.